Hello and welcome back to the Ebby Online podcast. This week I spoke to Hala from United for Massa, an organisation that has been helping to raise voices in Iran during the ongoing revolution for nearly a year now. We have spoken before and with the anniversary of the death of 22-year-old Gina Massa and Mini taking place this week, I wanted an update on all that had taken place over the past 12 months. In this podcast, Haler gives an update on some of the ongoing protests in Iran and talks to me about the continued activism that many from the Iranian diaspora have continued to participate in. We discuss the risks of violent retribution from those who have family members still living in Iran when their relatives abroad speak out. Haler also shared important figures on those who have been arrested and discussed the violent poisonings of girls and the reports of the brutality of the morality police who have even shot protesters' eyes out. The work of the Iranian diaspora across the globe has continued to fight for freedom and this week more protests will take place as the anniversary of Gina Massa Amini's arrest and murder comes to pass. Stay tuned to hear these topics and so much more as we even speak about the former British soldier, Daniel Khalif, who escaped from prison this month, shortly to be returned, and his ties to the Iranian government and the accusations of espionage and breaking the Official Secrets Act. Thank you for listening. Can you give my audience an update on what you've been doing on social media to raise women's voices, as well as men's, in your country? Um, so what we've done uh, is we realised the, the news was moving really quickly and um, the news that was coming out from the media, um, the British media, wasn't as quick as the ones we, we were receiving and, and, and getting. Um, so we started to, to step in and translate the news that was coming out that we thought it was important to, to be aware of because there was multiple news per day following uh, Mass Amini's death. Um, so we started just simply translating and sharing it. Um, and then after that, we realised that there was some history that we had to talk about, some of the events that happened, um, some of the crimes, some of the um, assassination attempts or successful assassination of um, throughout the past 44 years. Um, and essentially, we, um, we, 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 did, we were doing research and verifying those, fact-checking them, and, and then putting it together in a, in a really simple format um, so people were not bored um, reading the, the news. So it's, it's, it's a quick snippet, essentially, uh, that we, we share on our social media, United for Massa. Um, we were obviously fact-checking the news that was coming in. And then essentially, um, having done that and, and building a platform, um, we started um, being able to go to sources or connect with the families of victims um, and and get and verify news from them directly. Um, so that really helped because that's one of the challenges that actually the, the media in the UK has. Um, and then we started uh, share. We also very early on started sharing regional and global protests in essentially was um, or initially was London based um, and then uh, uh, later and uh, later through the year, uh, more and more uh, global protest or synced protest from the community and the diaspora was coming up. And um, so we were sharing those, uh, encouraging, sharing footage from, from those protests. Um, and then we started collaborating with other groups, whether they were here or in, in other countries in the diaspora again, 
we've gone as as far as collaborating with groups in Australia, which has been fantastic. And um, and all of this has been new to us. We haven't done this before. We're just a group of people who came together organic, organically during the protests last October, following Mass Annie's death and the eruption that happened with um, with the protests and um, and also people coming together. Um, and actually, the entire page was set up because um, of the frustration of lack of um sync uh, from the diaspora knowing where the protests were so that was part of the element of how we started our social media um, and really uh, working through the social media platforms now we have what we call a, almost the social media factory where uh where one of our contributors would write uh, something that has come up fact check it um, and then have a, a team just to check that, that everything's all good design it and and then share it with it with the team so that's how um, how we've worked in the past uh, almost year um, with with the team. Can you give us a quick recap on the death of 22-year-old Gina Marsa Anini and what happened on the 13th of September 2022 as the anniversary of her death on September 16th is quickly approaching? Um, so on the 13th of September 2022, Marsa Amini was coming out of a metro with her brother and uh, the what they call themselves a morality police approached her um, and took her by force um, for not wearing an appropriate hijab, which is she was not wearing her scarf properly. Properly, um, and actually, having seen some of the footage, that that just is not the case. So, um, but they what we've realised is that they have a quarter, so they had to get someone, and they got massa that day. Um, she, what there are um, witness. Um, descriptions of uh, when she got into a van she was beaten up and and then when she was at the station uh, she collapses um, and she dies three days later after being in a coma. Um, following that uh, people started protesting outside of the hospital um, and um, one of the, there was calls out for protests and, and, and loads of people turn up um, and that's what happened on the 13th and she died on the 16th. Since Marsa Amini's death, what are some of the ways that the regime has been continuing to punish those in Iran who speak out? I've read stories about poisonings and protesters losing eyes as they have been targeted and shot. Can you elaborate on some of these control tactics? Um, yes, there, there's been loads. Um, so you just mentioned a few. Um, so there was Obviously, there was the the, uh, the protest all over Iran, and there's still protests, by the way, in in Baluchistan region every Friday. And during those protests, they um, they arrested hundred thousand people, and they sometimes the families didn't know where they were um, for days, sometimes months, and there's some even still missing. Um, and um, what they did was they, they tortured some of those, and they executed seven people um, after. Um, holding sham trials for those seven individuals um, they were um, confessions taken out out of them under severe torture uh, for those seven and I'm sure many more um, and um, out of those hundred thousand ninety nine uh, ninety thousand were given a clemency um, and were essentially sort of forgiven but um, we know from multiple cases that were given that clemency they were told if they um, if they do anything, if they step a wrong foot ever again, that they'll be um, nobody will see them again. Essentially, 
um, the families of the victims uh, that were killed um, from those executed or the ones that were murdered, um, whether they were by, shoot, by shooting, um, they were all stopped from holding burials or, or um, essentially uh, grieving their families. Um, uh, they were also stopped from, from uh, ha holding birthdays for their kids, um, sometimes parents. Um, and um, there's been loads of different tactics used. There, there's been uh, obviously the, the continuous school poisoning, um, uh, which happened, which started initially in November. Um, well, we think that was follow up from uh, the, the poisoning, uh, well, from the schoolgirls coming out and really fueling this fire. And there was loads of schoolgirls that came out in support of this movement. Um, so there's been the poisoning, which um, has has spread throughout Iran. Um, there's been uh, even more horrendous stuff that we have seen. There's been uh, sexual violence against women and men in prison. Um, so whether it's assaults, um, rape, um, and um, we have also seen other, um, obviously, uh, reaction to these actions that, that they have done. But um, there's been uh, multiple. I mean, I mean, even today, we know that uh, coming up into the, the anniversary, um, some of the families of of uh, of, of these um kids that have got murdered uh, or, or not just even kids again parents uh, they um, they are being threatened um, they're being they've been detained arrested for example Masa Amini's uncle has been arrested um, he, he's young himself um, so they've arrested him they previously uh, on birthday of Kian Pirfalak who was a nine-year-old who was shot in, in the car um, they um, they, uh, the her fam his family um, held a birthday for him, and during his family, um, they arrested um, his uncle um, and uh, shot him essentially. Um, so there's been multiple ways of uh, trying to keep this situation and, and instilling further fear into into people. Um, some of it has been successful because less people are coming out there's there's no really major protests right now so it's really it has brought that but uh, there's also also um what we're seeing is daily defiance from women uh really not wearing their hijab uh, their scarves at all and, and walking down the streets where they they essentially um they can face fines uh being arrested and uh something like what happened to to Masaimini, but um, there's one other case that I, I want to mention is whilst we do have some of these stats, there some of them they're not um, they're not uh, we can't rely on the numbers provided by the Islamic uh, regime. Um, we know that 500, uh, just over 550 people were killed. Some of them included children, um, but there are also others that um, were, for example poisoned in prison and they died outside of prison um, or died suspiciously after being released um, and essentially those don't fall into those sort of numbers we've gathered or confirmed as a community um, so there's been really horrendous and inhumane methods used to to essentially stop people from from having the guts to speed to speak up really so um 
this is where we are and i'm sure that list is endless of the actions that they've taken to create this fear um, into people are there any figures for the number of men women and children that have been taken and imprisoned i know that the death toll may not be accurate due to many cover-ups um there are um i don't know them on top of my head uh but um but yeah, five, we know about over 550 died and I know over 15 were children and um, whenever we say children under the age of 16, um, including Kian Perfalak, who was nine years old and was just a passerby and was shot um, and his father is essentially um, on a wheelchair now. So um, and his mother has been disappearing for some some months now after the birthday. So. Um, sorry, I don't have those stats for you in hand, but I'm sure I can get them. It's okay. It just sounds so horrible when you hear about the children, especially. It really is, especially they they they, they, they were not taking parts, um, and they were just living their life. What other ways have people been coming out to condemn violence against people in Iran outside of Iran, such as like boycotts and I know that there's been protests in Berlin and protests around Europe, but what other ways have people been pushing about, pushing back against the regime? Um, so it's been different methods. Obviously, in Berlin, it was the first historic um, protest uh, of that amount. That, that the number of people that turned up in Berlin was hundred thousand people uh, from Iranian diaspora and and allies who gathered together. I think that's a historical moment. Um, to oppose to the Islamic regime um, in Iran who, who came into power 44 years ago. So I think that in itself uh, was really historical. And then following, following that, it was 20,000, uh, over 20,000 in Brussels. Um, but apart from that, we have seen other methods um, in Europe. For example, we know that um, we've, we've got people going on hunger strikes in front of, uh, whether it's the Foreign Affairs Office or in Washington, um, or in Canada. So we've got Bahid Beheshti in the UK, but we also have Masood in Canada and we have others in, in, in Washington who've been uh, using that um, just to raise awareness of, of how dire the situation is and, and, and really raise awareness. But um, we have also seen all kinds of support from, um, from artists, really. So we've, we've seen um, musicians uh, creating or remixing some of the, the songs or the song of the revolution that was played in Tomorrowland, for example, um, by a DJ called Human Rios. So he played that, um, that's been, uh, that went viral. And um, we also have seen a lot of beautiful art all across all across Europe. If you, if you knew about Woman Life Freedom and you went to pretty much every major city, you spotted um, a flag, um, stuck to a monument and it seems that it was from the city so uh, for example Barcelona had uh, one and I know Rome had one so um, and every we get sent these uh, beautiful arts and the flags um, all the time um, from different locations so that's been part of the solidarity of it in terms of boycott unfortunately um, we have asked for our governments to stop trading with Iran. Uh, so we are trading, unfortunately, which means you're feeding into um, the, the oppression and, and the money is used to, to, to buy bullets. Um, but also we've, we've asked um, 
the governments to um, to to proscribe the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, which is behind all of the despicable actions that are carried out. Um, we haven't seen those come through, even though, for example, Rishi Sunak did promise before he came in um, into office. Um, so there are some actions that have been done in solidarity. That's been great. But the real action hasn't really come into action yet. And, and we're hoping that that will, that will happen at some point. Can the world expect to see more protests in Iran and around the world as the first anniversary of her death approaches and passes? Um, considering all of the all of the fear, all of the horrible things they have done, um, I, I personally think there will be protests in in Iran. Obviously, we know Baluchestan will be out because they're out every Friday um, with their protests, um, and and, I'm, and and I think across um, Iran there will be protests uh, because we have seen um, handwritten calls out for protests given out to on the streets um and and people really preparing for it so i i think we do we can expect to see it um but of course we are also globally uh, the global network of iranian diaspora have started um arranging their own so um you can expect to see at least one protest per country in the us it's all over the place because of the obviously how big the us is um but um we, we, we can expect to have see protests obviously in London um, uh, it starts from the Iranian embassy at one o'clock next Saturday um, and um, we're hoping that people will support and join us. At the press event that you hosted this week I also met many other Iranians who have shared heart-wrenching stories about their loved ones and some that if not imprisoned have been tragically murdered it seems like now is the right time to really push for change as many are now having the opportunity and platform to speak out. What do you make of this? Um, 100%. Um, one of the the points that you just made, um, there is a, a, Kurd, a Kurdish activist, uh, sorry, a Baluchi activist. She's been a very active throughout and um, here in the UK on this soil. Um, and her son was arrested with her brother in Iran um, just because of her activities here, because whilst they can make threats to her, they, they go after families. Um, we have all, also seen um, threats coming into um, to action here. We have also seen attempts to assassinations um, all over the place. For example, we have, we, there was a foil assassination on, on a big Iranian journalist in, in the US. So, um, we, we we're not uh, whilst we are in a in a safer grounds and um, anyone who speaks whether they're here or anywhere else they're not entirely safe um because uh, the islamic regime does have arms essentially anywhere um and they'll they'll they will try to track people down and and you have as you said they have also murdered families before um and i, I don't i don't think they will stop now it's not they're not they're not a uh, an organization that can be reformed um essentially um that reformist dream is is, is dead um it, they're just not capable of um becoming better if anything we've seen them becoming worse or reusing the tactics of the 44 years ago that they implemented reusing that again um so yeah i i um i i'm appalled 
um, and I take risks like every other person who speaks, um, including the artists that who've speak, so you've spoken. I mean, I was speaking to another artist, another DJ, who said he was too afraid to to share too much because in case the gates were closed to him, because the gatekeepers are also all over the place. So the risks uh, are not small, unfortunately. For those that go against the regime and have fled Iran, what oppositions have they faced? Um, how do you mean? So I know the regime can be compared to North Korea in, Korea in ways as the regime will arrest family members who are still living in Iran and other members abroad, if other members abroad go against it. What is it like to live and work in Iran as someone who may be at risk of like a harsh punishment and arrest? I think that the, the, they must be incredibly fearless. Um, not to say that they're, they're, they're not fearful, but um, yeah. they, um, they essentially go beyond that and see it as a bigger picture. Um, so, for example, we know that um, an Iranian activist is due to go to prison, I think it was today, um, after being essentially prosecuted for thinking uh, because they, they give him allegations. And obviously, I, I think that's with, within Iran. Obviously, their, his family is going to see the really what happens, the backlash, and and then and we don't know if he'll come out alive, to be honest. But um, also other, others who are active outside and their families inside um, also get targeted. Um, and 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 everyone will have that sort of fear for for their loved ones if they still live back home uh, or their friends um and also we we get a lot of um a part of that is that we, we've been seeing a lot of hacking um of various um various channels um various venues um, and as well as um, mobile phones um so um they're obviously trying to main get information from those who are active abroad um, and that's why a lot of the times we were not seeing faces of people who were active there were only really some who were happy to share their faces so they're not really recognized so even with some of the protests on the 16th if, if anyone <laughs> turns up and for the first time and um, they'll see people in masks and, and and sunglasses it's because they are worried about their families because a lot of us have have already decided that we're not going back until iran is free um, it's just that they would be um, the ones that have families would be worried about their families. I know that. Well, I have noticed that I don't want to say it's died down, but there hasn't been much media attention on the situation in Iran as like of present, um, even with the EU high representative Joseph Borrell being taken in for 500 days. I haven't seen many news outlets reporting on this. Do you feel like, I don't want to say there's been a media blackout, but do you feel, do you feel the same? Do you think the same as what I do that, you know, that the media, some media organizations are not paying enough attention to this? 100%. Um, and we also, we, we, we received the same feedback from MPs um, in the parliament because there's been cross party support for um, for essentially prescribing the IRGC um, in the UK uh, in 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 here, so we know from MPs here in the UK that um, they um, they they tell us that the Iran news is as important as Ukraine news, but we don't see it as much. 
Um, and we don't know why that is. Um, I mean, we, we could suspect what, what the reasons may be, but essentially Iran also supplies uh, uh, drones to, to Russia. Um, it provides support to Russia, so it should be as important, and we should talk about it enough. Um, I have seen uh, an increase into reporting through August. I must say there are some um, channels that, that are unbiased and uh, really do share um, a lot of news on, on this, especially the high-level ones. But um, my comments on Joseph Borrell, uh, I mean, uh, very interesting what he had said about uh, about not prescribing IRGC in, in in the EU Parliament, but there wasn't enough um, media really challenging that. Um, so I think if he had received more media uh, attention, he may have had to essentially back uh, back down or or um, assist with with getting us over the line. Um, so yes, you're right. You're hundred percent right about. Um, some of the, the media channels not being so, um, not giving this the attention it really deserves because it's not just about Iran, it's it's everyone around, all the neighbors in Iran are affected. Um, all of um, Middle East is essentially affected because of the regime, whether they support it and cause other conflicts within the regime, but also they operate in, in Europe um, in the name of um, appointed Islamic centers in, in the UK. There's five of them in the UK that are appointed by Khamenei. And um, those centers have been investigated by the Charities Commission. Um, and there was very in-depth uh, report from, from, for example, the Times on uh, the, the high line and uh, some of the hate speeches that they were spreading on this soil. So um, there is so much more the media could do to create more pressure for Rishi Sunak or um, James Cleverly um, to, to really also get it over the line with, with things that our MPs agree on. Um, and um, there needs to be a little bit more. And, it, and it's really sad that the, I, I feel that having come across all of this for the past year, it's really sad that the journalists do some, so much of the work that they're essentially having to highlight topics for the MPs to really pick up. Um, whereas it should, it should have been the other way around. Um, but um, yeah, you're right. There, there is really not, there could there could be so much more we could be doing um, on this topic. Um, and again, it doesn't just affect Iran. It affects us here on this soil, it affects us everywhere. Despite news platforms um, not picking up on stories, how have social media platforms helped to share stories over this past year? Um, I think um, social media has really has been the reason that we've been able to share this message globally. Um, so we're really, really grateful for that because I think we had a similar, I would say not to this extent in 2009, but there was no real social media in 2009. There was Facebook, but it wasn't the form that we know now. Um, so it has really shaped, there's been, we, 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 we've seen that we've attracted more people who are interested in this where they've never had to come across it or they've never had to really think about it. Um, so, I mean, it's true that the internet brings you pain from across the world, it does, but also it can also bring supports for better causes everywhere. So, um, so we're really super grateful for, for social media um, and, and that, but also the, um, I want to put this twist of, 
um, the Islamic Republic is creating, um, it has a, a massive cyber army that they're hacking people, they are um, basically controlling social media now, now that everything has sort of slowed down a little bit. Um, but uh, we, we see that we get shadow bans all the time from, from the diaspora. Uh, we, can't, we don't use hashtags anymore, uh, unfortunately, because of, again, being shadow banned. Um, so we, we've seen Instagram, sorry to bust Yeah, it. Instagram, we're getting shadow banned all the time. Um, and I'm, I've, we've seen three of our activists getting hacked last week. Um, and it's it's been ongoing or, or we've seen Zooms getting hacked into um, and and disrupt uh, and, and conferences getting disrupted. Um, and also we've seen the narrative online is changing from um, from essentially that they're trying to change the meanings of things. So um, that they, they, they whatever they can do with these hashtags or news or even bringing additional propaganda. Um, on YouTube, they are all over it. So I think it's super important for supporters or anyone who's interested to really like um, or save just for the sake of saving for some time um, to, to give the platforms who they follow that additional support online. It's, it's almost like a war online um, to, 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 to even share um, and, and have our stories heard because we have fair amount of followers but it's some of them don't see it anymore because if you get shadow banned your visibility you go down the line on on the, the algorithm so um we, we're seeing a lot of those type of challenges too is twitter okay for your organization twitter has been fine um we i mean because we, we've had a lot of videos essentially we're not initially using it on twitter twitter has been really good for spaces where we actually um, communicate with other um, with other um, activists um, or, or politicians in, in, as well uh, across the platform, um, or if it's quick news, but it's not it's not the same um, as as Instagram, let's say. But we haven't seen that on on Twitter at all. I was talking to someone at the press event that said TikTok has been absolutely awful. So there's no surprise there. I won't ask you about that. And to be honest, I haven't seen much on TikTok about this? Um, so very interesting. We had, um, there's a filmmaker in, in, in the US who, who made one minute videos that were going viral on Instagram. And essentially I asked him because he's not on TikTok and I said, what is this is not on TikTok. Um, are you sharing it? He was like, no, I'm not, I'm not too keen. So I sh uh, he, he gave me permission to share it. But it was taken that within seconds because he was not complying with the with their uh, T's and C's. Um, and it, it, there's nothing wrong with the video. The video just just it's it's the video that we shared on the event. So um, it's uh, yeah, TikTok is awful. Um, but we do see others uh, make a difference. I mean, I had some videos on there. I had a I had dogs. Uh, I had a dog uh, in protest. Um, that every time we said uh, woman life freedom, the dog was barking, that went absolute viral. <laughs> and it created a lot of uh, conversations, but perhaps that's the sort of items we need to share. But it's it's, in, it's interesting that we need to sort of filter ourselves that we cannot even share uh, a one minute video that's uh, sharing a really strong message that's compliant and all, all the other platform doesn't have nudity and so on. <laughs> so um, yeah, TikTok has been awful. 
that's ridiculous. And quickly before we wrap up, do you have any unique information surrounding Daniel Khalif? I know many are claiming that he has links to Iranian intelligence as he is currently on remand for espionage and bomb hoaxes. And he was accused of breaching the Official Secrets Act over a three year period between May 2019 and January 2022. I don't have a specific um, information that's beyond what's already been shared by the media. But what I do know is, um, or what the speculations are, that he was collecting data on activists or um, he was collecting data for um, the uh, Islamic regime. And, and um, it just doesn't surprise me. We have all been threading on eggshells, um, tiptoeing our way, making sure that anyone we engage with um, may not be sharing with, um, with the regime. And I mean, we know that there are people out there who do this. So it just does not surprise me one bit that they have people, young people, um, who are collecting data for them. Because um, he's only 21, and obviously he was much younger when he was doing this. So it's just very, very shocking. And the whole escape from prison, like he must have been helped by someone. What was he trying to do? Where was he trying to go? Because he didn't get very far. Um, very good question. And it, it does bring a lot of questions as to, um, obviously the operation of this uh, of the prison um but also uh, i mean if he was an attempted uh, terrorist why would he be in that prison um i mean there's lots of questions uh, from wherever but again we know that there are people operating here for the islamic republic um they have money to essentially buy um and, and i've said this multiple times is is how much is anyone's price uh, yeah. The, and we know that the Islamic Republic has spent, for example, um, the first half of the year, 8 million euros in the EU parliament alone. So there are obviously, the, the money is not the issue. Um, anything is possible, essentially. I, I feel that it's a mad, mad world. Um, what he was doing, God knows, it's too close to the anniversary. That scares me anyway. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it's just, it, it's... Um, I'm glad that he's been caught and hopefully we can get some answers uh, properly. But um, it really does bring attention to the public centres, uh, public spaces uh, and, and the services um, and how they're being managed. Um, but also this, there was no narrative from the media that links this with the IRGC terrorists, which is the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, who should be proscribed, who we got promised that they would be proscribed. So no one really linked the two because if he's a suspected terrorist collecting information on for iran do you not link the two i mean it just is for me it feels like it's common sense um but also we, we've seen um just going a bit <laughs> a little bit further but like we've also seen um exchange of hostages um so uh, if people have traveled to iran they're dual national they get caught uh, we saw that with the case of Nazanin, uh, Nazanin Ratcliffe, um, and um, Anusha um, Ashuri, um, and many, many more. I'm just giving examples of the UK ones. Um, and essentially, they're, they're exchanging hostages with Iran for um, a terrorist that, that got um, 
imprisoned um, in on their soil. For example, there is one in in Sweden right now. Um, and um, so even if you go to prison, they will um, exchange hostages. So anyone who commits anything, they can be rest assured that the the West is willing to no matter what the consequences are, we'll do an exchange um, with people who've traveled to Iran voluntarily um, for uh, pleasure or whatever. Um, and um, so this, this circle continues. Um, now, with that hostage taking, there are cases that are not, um, they didn't travel freely. Um, there is a guy, Jamshid Sharmad, he was actually kidnapped in, um, in the UAE on his way to India. We've seen cases of kidnap um, of, a, of a Swedish national um, in Turkey, um, and then he got executed because um, the Swedish government did not respond actually to, to, the, to the hostage um, <laughs> exchange situation. So um, we've, we've seen various, um, various um, I'll say, <laughs> various scenarios that come out of if you were prosecuted, they got exchanged down the line. So it feels like it just it feels like it puts the justice system in here also under question um, and how the foreign policies are, are being set out. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't very off topic because it was linked, but uh, I wanted to point out this hostage taking as well. Oh, no, it's perfect. I completely get it. It's just such a, a crazy situation because that did get lots of media attention. But as you say, there are certain links that were missing at the same time. Absolutely. I, I think um, the media attention was trying to finding it and everyone was running around trying to find this guy rather than saying, actually, what was he really doing if he yeah. was doing it for Iran? Are you not pointing fingers at Islamic Republic? Um, what, what have people been saying? How, how do you connect this with the past year? I mean, this isn't too far off. Uh, so there needs to be a link with those with those events. Um, and we have seen it in the past where um, someone in in Paris got um, got done for it was a it was a diplomat actually who got done for um, attempting to bomb a rally in 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 Paris. So we have seen uh, this type of um sort of terrorists um operating abroad to bring down oppositions to um we have seen assassinations abroad in the past 44 years less so in the past five but we've seen attempts um but we haven't seen an assassin assassination to come into um to coming to successfully so um it's just it's just um it needs a little bit more from from media also to 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 essentially sew this whole put 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 it together put the puzzle together um and um and i hope that that happens we still have time i think it's still hot in the news and people want to know what happens next i i completely agree i've literally just finished doing a video on him this morning that has gone out um so I'm hoping that more will come out and we'll, we'll kind of get the full picture of what's been going on. But in the meantime, how can those in the West continue to support United for Massa and other affiliated groups using activism to promote positive change? Um, so there is so much to do. You can, um, you, can, you can support by 
being aware I think that's a good step is, is knowing what's happening um, and, I, and I do know it's sometimes really heavy um, especially you know if, if you're really struggling but um, so just being aware is, is one point the second point is being an ally and, and help with actions that the groups in the diaspora come across with um, also um, there's multiple um, events that they can help, um, they can support and help with, uh, whether by turning up to see what is it about, because the, the events that, for example, we uh, we um, uh, set up are for British Iranians or British um, British people, just to give them on a on an, a sort of an overview of what's happening um, in Iran or what what has been the history. We've had multiple events of um, discourse of feminism, for example, and all of these events um, actually cost money. So um, helping donating to platforms like ours that you're comfortable with, you know who they are, um, it, it's super important. So um, by donations, for example, to us in the past year, we have alone been able to help support large protests, the one in Brussels, the, the Brussels number two, um, a protest in London, um, as well as um, purchasing um, two Starlings as a part of trying to get free information um, and, and internet in Iran. So um, there's there's been an initiative. So we help those as a part of what was donated to us. So it's um, essentially making a difference on, um, on, on, on 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 if you can't do anything else to do those those parts um and um ask questions i think that's another one that if, if something does not make sense um um as silly as it may be just interact with us um and, and ask us questions and i think that's a really good start and it makes us think differently too so um i think there's multiple ways and also um attend protests uh, because you can just pop up for one hour if you're in london on your way to a brunch or um, or, or for a coffee. So um, they're usually really friendly. People bring their dogs um, and babies. So it, it's been super, super friendly and um, and um, nice, uh, essentially. So there's loads to be done. I think those are the ones I can think of right now. Where can people find you on social media and what can people expect to see from your organisation next? Um, so you've got um, United number four massa which is m-a-h-s-a so for you massa meaning um united for massa we have a website so it's unitedformassa.com on all the platforms apart from tiktok we're united for massa um and what you could see next is it's essentially more engagement with media um and uh engagement with um also other opposition groups um and continuation of um engaging with um politicians but also we've we've done a year of um essentially multiple activities and see what works what doesn't work where is our um where is our strength and weaknesses and one of the things that we we, we are going to do is to register as a charity and um, so we're more transparent uh, i mean we're already transparent because we have a transparency hub on our website but essentially to take it to the next stage and the next level and, and really operate and, and, and recruit more volunteers to help us, give us ideas and, and work better as a community. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time today.
Thank you so much. Lovely. It was so lovely to finally meet you in person this week. Is also it was amazing. <laughs> I, I, I mean, uh, it's it's. I mean, it was a, such a such a hot day, but uh, it was so good to meet you. And I can definitely see going out and drinking with you. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, will have to happen in the future because we're both in London. So definitely, fingers crossed. Anyway, Absolutely. have a lovely, lovely weekend. Well, enjoy the rest of it, and I hope. You Thank you for listening to the Ebby Online podcast. Please join me next week, Monday, for a new guest and a new exciting topic. If you enjoy the journalism that I create and the content that I pump out, please support me by rating my podcast on Spotify and iTunes.